0: Hi everyone. I'm Riada Alkyol, and this is Dignified Resilience, a podcast on fresh narratives on confronting despair, alleviating distress, and forging ahead. In this podcast, we hear from people around the globe at all stages of life and variety of industries and learn how to channel dignified resilience to survive, feed the soul to heal, and connect with others through inspiring compassionate actions and behavior. At the same time, I
1: aim to grow a global conversation that seeks to better acknowledge different sociocultural perspectives on meaningfully weathering life's adversities and achieving well-being. Here is a
0: noble and humane invitation for surpassing our old selves by learning about and from other people's moving forces and limitations for successfully
1: overcoming affliction and ache. Remember, we have different lives, distinct pathways, cultures, and contexts, But we can find common ground in supporting Dignified Resilience anywhere. So let's go then. Hello and welcome back to Dignified Resilience. I hope you enjoyed the first part of my conversation with Medina Javed. And I'm happy to welcome you to the second part of the conversation on female reciters of the Quran. This part will focus on... Bosnian lived experiences, or rather, Medina's uh, experiences from several of her trips to Bosnia and Herzegovina, which is my own country of origin, so I was very excited to hear about all of her stories from the trip. We will also continue the conversation about female reciters of the Quran and what is Medina's vision or plans for the future. We share our thoughts for the conclusion. And I truly am excited about leaving this in the digital history. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy.
0: So that said, tell me about, and you mentioned it a little bit in in Waves, So we know, okay, women reciting the Quran is a tradition that's very much alive in some part of the world, and in other places, people have made restrictions. So let me ask then, considering that in many countries, women regularly do take part in this Quran recitation, are you connecting with them in some sort of uh, even deeper correspondence and making those connections and tell me about Bosnia. That's where I'm getting it uh, about the deeper connections. Um, as a Bosniak, I'm actually, I'm, I'm very proud and I'm especially touched and happy to hear about your connection and beautiful experiences that you've had recently in Bosnia. And I wish you could tell us a little bit more, about how it started, how it ensued, and then uh, beyond Bosnia as well, do you have, are you connecting uh, you read some beautiful uh, testimonies of women sharing uh, their views about it. But tell us more about this world network uh, that's being created thanks to technology and your dignified resilience.
2: First of all, I think um, I'm really glad that you, that you looked into this issue of the recitation being a, a sort of form of healing because actually the Quran, people listen to it a lot for purposes of healing, and to exclude women from that research is actually, you know, it's it's so good that you highlighted that, because that is really problematic that that research hasn't, you know, covered that area yet. So I'm really, really glad that you're shining awareness on this, on this point. And I hope in the future, more people, this will encourage more people to actually include women like Maria Ulfa, whose resources are there, but are people acknowledging them and using them? And, and that's, well, yeah, I just, I, I thought that was so yeah. interesting to learn about your discovery with that. And yeah, because we know that the Quran has so many healing benefits.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was also surprised and happy that yeah. I discovered it too. So yeah, thank you.
2: Yeah, as part of the female reciters movement, and whenever I travel, I always love to discover female reciters. So if I find someone who has recited Quran as a woman, I will just always try to like get in touch with them. And and because the thing is, here in Scotland, I'm like the only person that recites Quran in public, so I'm an anomaly here. However, in other places in the world it's it's so normal and connecting with those women is such a blessing. And actually the Quran has been such a blessing for me in that it's connected we connected me with so many like beautiful-hearted and good people and I am so grateful for that. So the way that I've been connecting with people is even this, so the first time that I went to Bosnia, so for example, the first time I went to Bosnia with my family, one of the girls who followed me on Instagram. One of my friends, Lemia, she said. She, so I met with her, and we recited Quran together in front of the Begba Mosque, and it was just so lovely to hear her reciting and to recite together and to be there together. And it was the Quran that brought us together through like the online movement. And since then, we're like still we're such good friends. And it was really, really special to that. It's that it connects me in that way. So online, whenever I find. Women, so one day I came across on SoundCloud a recording of Sakina Hassan, a recording from 1933, and she was one of the Egyptian reciters, and the first time I heard it, I was just so moved and so touched, and you can really feel, I really, really felt the beauty of her recitation, it really, it's really hard to explain, but you can really feel the beauty of it, and it brings such a sense of peace, and it's it's really moving to hear that, and also, even like Om Kul she's one of like the most Famous woman singers, and she started off actually by reciting Quran because her father was a reciter. So she, that's how she developed such a really good, such a great pronunciation of Arabic from her singing. And it, people always say it's because she was a Quran reciter. And I found some short recordings of her reciting Quran. There's not many, but even just to listen to them, they're so so beautiful. And it's interesting that actually I heard that she had to like dress up as a boy like when she was having to do like her singing and things. So it just kind of like also highlights, you know, the position of a woman and that she had to do that.
0: So can you tell me just a little bit, I, I think, I don't know that I hear it on uh, in some other interview or was it? did you share it on social media, how uh, when you were in Bosnia, uh, you went to, I guess, Mukabela and the local imam's attitude was just very welcoming in a way that was just different. Or uh, Can you tell me a little bit more? I don't know where I heard it, but I uh, remember it.
2: So I went to, I've been to Bosnia quite a few times. I went there for summer school with CNS and through that I managed to meet so many different people from across Europe so it was a summer school bringing together young Muslims from across Europe yeah, so when I was when we were traveling on the bus we were on like a long bus journey just going from different locations and as we do as young people we like to sing and on these long journeys and they were sharing the Bosnians were sharing their like ilahis and their really beautiful traditional songs and the girls wanted me to share like a recitation of Quran as well, like on the journey. So I went to the front of the bus, I used like a little microphone and I just, I asked what John me to recite? And then I, I just recited something. And, and I'm sure the Quran says, when the Quran is recited, listen to it so you can receive mercy. So why is our immediate connection to, I must like quickly object? Where Why is our focus on that? Why is our focus not on the meaning? And listening to it and reflecting on it to gain the blessings of the Qur'an. It is, it is really hurtful because it's something so so sacred and so so beautiful and but when I discussed it with the organizers it just really it was so interesting because one of the organizers said to me that actually his wife Shahida Johanovich, Elliot I hope I have her remembered her name correctly, that his wife she recites Qur'an quite often and later on, a few like a year or so later, I, I heard a recitation of hers and it was so beautiful and, and powerful. And that was my first introduction to the fact that in Bosnia women recite Quran, because I didn't know much about Bosnia. I didn't know that women in Europe right there were reciting Quran and that there it was quite accepted. So it shows the difference. So also when I was in Bosnia, like visiting for the first time the beg of a mosque was really interesting because I noticed there were women at the front of the mosque, young girls. And yeah, I think there was I think she had finished memorizing the Quran and she was there at the front of the mosque and I had never seen anything like that before and I was just wondering what is going on here. So there's these girls at the front of the mosque and they were you know reciting Quran and and I was just this is so like eye opening for me and this was also the beginning of my journey there and And later on when I visited, I visited Bosnia again in Ramadan because I I made some really good friends in Bosnia who I am really connected with and we became really close friends. So everyone was always saying to me, come to Bosnia in Ramadan. It's so special. It's so, like, wonderful. And, of course, living here in Scotland, I don't... Feel, but the Ramadan feeling is a little bit different so because it's something we just kind of celebrate within like our set with our, our own family and it's not there's not such like a wider celebration or of Ramadan if that's the right word and so I wanted to experience something new so I, I my friend so I, when I stayed with the Bosnian family and um, one of my close friends and <laughs> When I was there, I wanted to volunteer and to help and to teach because I've grown up in this environment where, like, my parents have shown me that it's important to use your time to serve others and to volunteer and to and to teach. So it's always natural for me to want to to teach the Quran and to help young people. So I I asked, I just reached out to as many organisations in Bosnia as possible and and said, I'm coming here. I want to use my time wisely. I want to I want to give something back to the community there to do something positive to help people. And I con- there was an organization called Nahna and I worked there in the, um, I volunteered there and, and did some um, talks for the young people on human rights and different sort of issues. And also, also, in Ramadan, it was really, really special because all these opportunities just kept coming my way, like so spontaneously, that it wasn't even really planned. So people would just say, oh, can you come to our iftar? Can you come here and recite for us? One example is in Bosnia, they have the mukhavelas, the Qur'an gatherings. And I didn't know about this. I didn't know that in Ramadan, that people would do this because living in a non-Muslim country, I think, again, we just do most of our worship quite privately and like not as a community as such, apart from the Tarawih prayers. But in, um, in Bosnia, I realized that there was a women's mosque and i i just i contacted the lady and i said i really want to come i really want to experience this i really want to to be there and she was so so kind and she she said so i've visited and she said actually this so apparently like this mosque they only have happy of quran i'm not happy i haven't memorized the quran so all the women who recite there have memorized the Quran and that's like some sort of requirement for for joining with Mokabela but they said to me you're our guest we want you to recite for us so actually like after they made it away and um, found a way to include me and that was really really touching and, and, and really special for me and when I was sitting there alongside um, a number of different women and I was like last re- to recite and I had heard all of these women before me recite, I just can't explain how it felt. I've never experienced this before and, and to listen to them and each person has their own voice and their, and their own like touch to it. So, so it's nice to listen to different recite, women reciters as well. All of them were so beautiful and so special. And when I, I just remember when I was reciting, it was so, so lovely because just this lovely sense of community and i didn't feel like i was an anomaly like the only reciter i felt like i was with these other women who are using their voices to recite and are connecting with god and i remember one day i tried to make an effort to go to the mukabela and one day i was running late so i was quickly coming on my way and as i was walking across the bridge i could see the minaret of the mosque in the distance and I heard a woman's voice emanating from the minaret, and I heard her voice reciting Quran, and I, had, I knew it was a woman because I, I knew the woman who was reciting, and I was familiar with her voice, and it was just, I, I'm like, oh, and I have to quickly record this because this is, I've never imagined in my life I would hear a woman's voice reciting Quran from a mosque, and yeah, I remember later, I shared this video online, and a lot of people were just, oh, this can not be a woman, this is definitely a man, and it just shows that people,
0: people are... I heard it. It was clearly a woman.
2: Yeah. It was definitely a woman. And people are like, nope, it was not a woman. Like, it must be. But it just shows people are, are really... They can't even imagine that it could be a woman. That's why they probably think, oh, it's just...
0: Were you in Sarajevo at any point in a mixed environment where men and women were doing it oh. together?
2: actually in that mosque it was interesting so there were women but then also outside there was one man there and maybe he was just I don't know what his purpose was for being there maybe he was from the Islamic community or something but so it was kind of a mixed gathering and also the fact that the recitation was being emanating across the community you could hear it so it was in public even though this specific mukabela was just for women to recite. So on Laila tul Qadr, it was really lovely. There is a really beautiful, there's really. There's so many beautiful people there. And some people in the community reached out to me and they said, please come to come and visit our mosque. I think this mosque was, I don't want to say the name in case I pronounce it wrongly. But there was one mosque there I was invited to on Laila tul Qadr. And the it was quite a family mosque and it was so special because they wanted they wanted me to recite Qur'an with them and there was a lot of young people there, a lot of young children.
0: And was it again just women?
2: No, this was a mixed gathering. So there was men and women. They had just finished the Tarawi prayers and then I came and, and they asked me to come and sit at the front right next to the Imam. And I was okay, really? This is so I'd never been asked to sit right at the front of the mosque. And yes, yeah, so Imam was there and also his wife was there, she was also very active and she does a lot of quran and singing and things too so it started off with the imam gave a talk and i had never like spoken to to them much about myself or who i was and for some reason and i was so surprised afterwards when my friends translated it to me after when they saw the video and they said that yeah they, they said that he introduced me so nicely and and that And my family, and and I was so touched that they went to the effort to make such a nice introduction to make me feel appreciated and welcome. And and it shows their 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 hospitality and their kindness. And I remember like afterwards when I thanked them for inviting me and for allowing me to recite with them, they said to me, You're always welcome here. You're not just our guest, you are part of our community, you're welcome here. You know, and, and and that was so so touching to feel that sense of belonging and that sense of of not being shunned but actually being welcomed and acknowledged and appreciated and not discriminated because of, because I was a woman and also in that gathering the young people did their songs and it, it was really lovely so you had the men all on one side and then all the women on the other side so it was quite a natural gathering there wasn't any it was so dignified it was so composed and everyone kind of just had everyone everything just fitted so nicely so
0: yeah, that was I especially mean, glowing because i'm Bosniak and i'm listening to this <laughs> excitement and uh, happiness to, to hear this
2: so and last year in ramadan when my friend's sister maliha she contacted me and she said medina like my friend zainab's going to be reciting in a small mosque in her neighborhood and she really wants to connect with you and meet you would you like to come and and of course i was delighted i really wanted to to listen to i love to listen to more women reciting quran so I went there to the Malrubia Jamia and there there were young girls in the mosque and there were also young boys too just opposite them and then the imam was in the middle and they so the young boys recited Quran first and then passed the microphone to the girls and then the girls recited together and it was so beautiful to be there and in the it's a very small mosque and there was elders in the in the mosque too so that was a really lovely experience again something I the first time I'd, I'd seen young people reciting together so that was in Ramadan as part of the, the mocha and then so every day in Ramadan when I would walk I think it might have been after Ramadan when I would walk home it was in the there was a small mosque there and I would just always see and I couldn't see inside it because it's kind of closed off and one day I was walking by it with my friend Iman and I and it was like kind of around Maghrib time so I was thinking maybe it would be open And then literally as soon as I opened the door, I met the same imam that I met on the first charity, Iftar. It was such a coincidence. And they had just, they had finished Melbourne, and he was about to lock up the mosque. And he he welcomed me in, and, and he literally passed me the microphone and said, oh, you can recite some Quran here, and you're welcome to practice and recite Quran here. And it was really lovely, because in this mosque, when I, as soon as we entered, it was like a secret garden and there was a beautiful rose garden they had created and it's such a peaceful sanctuary. It's a really small mosque. It's called the Kasim Katibova Jamia. And I probably pronounced that so wrong, so I'm sorry, but it's it's really lovely and yeah, um I really appreciated that. So
0: and so many great experiences from Bosnia. <laughs> I have I have two <laughs> more
2: stories. <laughs> I could like literally talk about Bosnia like for so long. Anytime I meet somebody then I would tell them about Bosnia and then my family think that I'm like obsessed with Bosnia. <laughs> yeah,
0: so... um,
2: the main, the Begava mosque, one day I was just sitting there in the courtyard with my friend Edina and we were reciting them together, Surah al Kaf. And and I remember there was, we actually went inside the mosque and just because we wanted, there was no one else there and we want, we recited together. And we went to the front of the mosque too. And then the janitor came in and he told us that he saw us on the cameras like in the front of the mosque and luckily he the janitor remembered me from the day before and the day before I had been sitting in the courtyard of Begava and it happened that his grandson like his little toddler um, was playing there and I was playing with his young grandson too so he remembered me from there and he's said oh it's okay you can stay here and you can finish reciting Quran I'll let, I'll let you stay and yeah, so he didn't remove us from from the mosque and then then it was really interesting because as we were me and adina were reciting Qur'an together a hafiz came into the into Begabah mosque and he just sat in a corner and there was a, a girl there with him and and she was reciting her memorization and he was examining her and checking it mm-hmm. so they were just in the corner doing that while me and adina were reciting mm-hmm. and it was just it was so nice and then afterwards I spoke to him with Adina. He couldn't speak English very well, so she translated. And he gave us a Qur'an lesson, and he recited the Adan for me. I asked him if I wanted to hear it, and he gave us advice and invited us to his mosque. So his mosque was the Bistriq Jamia. It was really lovely that he spent time with us and and gave us advice on the Qur'an. And he all, and one thing that stuck with me is he told us every day, just always remember to be grateful for the Qur'an and always um, like say, alhamdulillah, for it and yeah, it was just that was just one really lovely experience that I wanted to share as well. So it's just all these events and happened were so spontaneous and that's also kind of made me feel lost for words. Another day I was walking in Bosnia on the streets and it suddenly started raining so much and I didn't have an umbrella so I was just standing there and then this Bosnian lady like came out of her house and she like gave me her umbrella to walk home with and the only Bosnian words I knew were like "bodim te." <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I love you, and then that, that's it. So, so I always had such a beautiful experience there. And then, even though I wasn't able to go this year, the community there did an online mokavela, mm-hmm. on, and they asked me to recite with them too. So they still kept in touch, and it was nice to to do that with them too. So
0: that was really special. I'm so happy to hear this. <laughs> Our listeners should forgive us for going too long about uh, these examples. <laughs> But if it's too long, I don't mind. <laughs> I mean, I'm personally biased, but also uh, proud of those uh, wonderful parts of uh, of tradition, of local Muslim uh, tradition in, in Bosnia. And I do want it to be heard on this uh, episode precisely because it is lived experience. Uh, and, and you have been to different places. And this is not to prove uh, like somebody. I don't want anybody to to misunderstand this and say, oh, this is better. or They're doing this or not. This is how it is done in in life, in lived experience in this place. And it could be an example, hopefully, and an inspiration to those listeners who might hear this from other parts of the world. And we Bosniaks are proud of our Muslim heritage. Uh, We are Muslim. We have been killed for being Muslim. And I'm saying this because... Uh, oftentimes, Bosniaks are perceived as, in, in some uh, in, in some Muslims' eyes, as not Muslim enough, whereas for the Christians or the Europeans, we're not European enough. So uh, w- that's why I'm always proud and and want to share this. Talk,
2: sorry. But, but there was, although, I, ha- I mean, no place is perfect. Like, for me, it was a bit strange that, they, that the women didn't pray each prayer. And I heard that in Austria, the Bosnians there do pray. So I think... Yeah, As, like you know, different. no places yeah. It's all. It's just different. Like here, I would be. It would be normal for me to create prayer, but there,
0: mm-hmm. it
2: wasn't. So I think different places we have different like ways of expressing their
0: faith. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I did want to just uh, add and explain a little bit precisely about this mukabela part uh, that, that Medina was talking about. The Gazi beg Library in Sarajevo has prepared an online exhibition entitled Mukabala and the Manuscript Juices of the Quran. And I'm so happy to find it while researching and preparing for this episode, and it's still available, although only in English. So I translated a couple, some parts for you, but you can see the photos. And this exhibition aims to present a beautiful and multifaceted tradition of keeping Mukabala as an expression of respect for the Word of God which has been and is expressed in our area, um, geographical area in various ways. But in the first part of the exhibition, through documents, photographs, inscriptions from periodicals and monographs, you can learn about this tradition of learning vocabela, which is deeply presented, uh, present and rooted in the mosques uh, throughout Bosnia and Herzegovina. We can learn that between 1903 and 1907, there, there have been... Half is like half half is Yusuf Efendia Grozdanovich, who was teaching three girls to become Hafiza at the time. So this is the beginning of twentieth century. Two of the girls finally finished, but in those years of teaching them, it is it is stated that this Hafiz Yusuf also taught and recited Ramadan Mukabela together with his students with his female students to women in a mosque in Sarajevo. Now those got forgotten, but we have them now at the beginning of 20th century in terms of both this idea of transmitting the knowledge uh, about the Qur'an to women, to young girls who then uh, kept transmitting it on. And then we see, and I think Medina, from your friends, you also learned similar thing, that uh, in 1953, as per request of Hafizah Fatima, Zulfirka, a woman's mukabela was started in Haji's Kamos in Sarajevo after the noon prayer and of course with a pause from 92 to 95 during the aggression on Bosnia-Herzegovina this mukabela stopped but is still happening today and I mean long story short it's a beautiful exhibition I encourage all of you to see because it's it's actually showing the photos of this very old Bosniak women who are female reciters, like Aisha Pekmezovic, who became a Hafizan when she was 12 years old. And from then on, uh, you know, until 1976, she was freely, as a volunteer, reciting the Mukabela and helped many, many women in Bosnia learn the Quran themselves so many other inspiring, you know, Bosniak women who were reciting this this Quran for, for so long, memorizing it and transmitting it. So this tradition is, you know, is there and, and it's been uh, passing throughout the generation. And another thing, uh, Medina, that you might also appreciate, but I think our listeners as well, there is a beautiful, before I forget, for those who are interested, a beautiful, wonderful documentary available online freely in English and Bosnian, which is called bosnian muslim women's rituals Bula's oh i've seen it yeah beautiful singing reciting and teaching in sarajevo which mm. is an educational mm. film by professor Katharina raudvere from copenhagen and dr Zilka spahit shilak from sarajevo and why i so appreciated this um, documentary as well is because it's explaining a different tradition that's very uh, re- present in, in Bosnia. Um, this documentary is a non-commercial product. It's intended for university classes and to document women in charge of Muslim praying traditions in Bosnia and to give a glimpse of the historical roots of these practices. It's really beautiful. It's, des- it's describing mevlud and Tevhid. These are the, the rituals which are kind of uh, present in our geographical regions, and both including the repetition of Allah's names, zikr, zikr uh, intense prayers, Quran recitation, and the singing of songs, which are part of these uh, rituals. And again, why this is beautiful but also important and is that these young bulas learn through participating, as it is said in the description, uh, of the documentary when they receive these ritual assignments from more experienced bulas. So, in this way, this tradition is not only being preserved, but it's also being now, thanks to this documentary, we see as a testimony of how long it has been present in, in our region. So, uh, Medina has seen it, but I will definitely it's include beautiful. the it. yeah, beautiful. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, um, I saw it a long time ago.
2: It's, it's nice because you see them in different different ways singing and reciting and like different different contexts so it was a real it's a really beautiful film i really enjoyed it it was really touching
0: absolutely so i recommend everybody uh to to see it as well and i will add a link to it so medina now let's go back to something that is very important and again we talked about this uh, a little bit before uh recording this and that is the support of men in this <laughs> conversation I don't want to use battle because I always want to believe that this is not just or men versus women uh, I think we're all talking about literal interpretation that both men and women can do we've seen in the first part of the podcast how you've encountered some bad reactions from some Muslim women as well so I always want to cite um, and add yes what male privilege and the formation of knowledge? And who made the knowledge led to, but also I always want to acknowledge and you know talk about today uh, male scholars who champion the cause uh, for you know more human rights for Muslim women, and also just ordinary men, fathers, uh, you know husbands, brothers, uncles, grandfathers, around the world in Muslim families who really support. Muslim women to go forward towards their spiritual fulfillment or professional fulfillment or whatnot. not. That said, somebody comes to my mind, and that is your dad, your <laughs> own father. So please tell us about him in a sense of, you mentioned him a little bit, of course, he obviously founded a center. We see how lovingly and dedicated he is to um, his own community. But tell us a little bit about your dad's support. He's even helping you find some old recordings, right?
2: Yeah, so we actually, I thought one day, like maybe if we searched in Arabic, then maybe we'd find more examples of women reciters. So my dad knows Arabic because he studied it. So um, yeah, he searched up online and he found some really old recordings from Egypt of Egyptian women who are on the radio. I think the earliest one that we found was from 1905. And it's just—it was incredible to listen to it. Um, and and he's like, "Medina, add this to the female reciters tag. Put it online. <laughs> share it." So yeah, and then I I shared it just to make it more more noticeable and and to raise more awareness. And people really loved to hear the old recordings because it shows that it's really not something new. And it shows that it's it just it's just a really special connection to you know our legacy, and it's 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 quite special. So. My dad's always been um, giving me like opportunities and supporting me. So in the community centre, he'd be like, "Oh, Medina, today, like you can just do a recitation." Like, just so randomly, and I would just go and do it. Or even the first recitation that I did in the cathedral, one of the first public ones. My dad was actually invited to do that recitation, but he just said, "Okay, Medina, you can do it. Just you, you know, you can go ahead and do it," because he knows that women's voices aren't heard as much. So he gave me the space and the opportunity to do that which I think is really important because in order to make changes we have to come together and not just women but also men and women together and supporting one another and even if we look at the example of Maria Ufa, who is a really famous reciter in Indonesia many men actually say that her voice has been a model for them and an exemplar for both women and men so that's actually really interesting and then also we have, you see Om Khaldom, her father was a Quran reciter, and that's how she kind of learned and got into to reciting as well. So, yes, it's something really, really important to have that family support. And I guess knowing that I have support within my family means it's easier for me to deal with other people. Like if they're criticizing me or, you know, giving me negative feedback, then at least I know that I am quite supported. So it's quite exciting because I know like other people don't have that support and it's a lot harder for them. So,
0: I'm really there support online from Muslim men. I mean, I, I've seen some comments to your tweets that come from Muslim men or who were bewildered when I saw the tweets where you shared the Azan from uh, Sarajevo or when you do something in there. And they, some of them, share actually the articles that are written and available online about how this was the tradition in the past and how it's now gone. So they're there, but you know they're there. So how vocal are they, from your experience, considering that you are out there and you know uh, doing this on a daily basis with your public appearances, et cetera?
2: And my community, the Muslim community, is quite silent, and they, you know, they just don't really say much. I guess there are people that do that will give me support and will say things here and there but overall people just try to stay silent because they don't really people I don't think people have the courage to say something or maybe they just don't know much about it because they think it's wrong or something like that but I think online there certainly has been a lot of men that have supported me too so I can't like say that there isn't but I think the proportion is a lot different between
0: Mm -hmm.
2: women and men and also I think they don't ha- I don't want them to support me as a person, but actually to support the movement and the women's movement of all women's voices. So I think it's just, yeah, I think there are people there. We all can do more in our communities and the change, the real change happens within grassroots communities. So a video online might get loads of views, but I don't know what impact that's actually going to have within communities. And I think it's good because it will raise awareness and it'll make people think and question and research and the real change is going to be it's going to have to be in communities and that's where men and women have to work together.
0: Yeah absolutely I mean we've talked quite a bit in this podcast and I think that what I was trying to convey and what I think we got to kind of conclude together is that Long story short, all of this is related, I mean, it's a mix related to theological issues of gender, then religious interpretations that end up excluding Muslim women, then we have some impacts of localized practices and tradition, then lack of knowledge, internalized interpretation, etc. And the list is long in terms of we we spoke about this outside of Islam um, as a religion per se as well. It's a big conversation on sexuality and women's rights, uh, but also I think that what I wanted to convey a little bit um, is lived realities, whether it's how women are um, just being excluded, how they're not being allowed to reach more Spiritual fulfillment, how their healing is potentially better, healing in certain circumstances is impeached or hindered because of um, these unjust interpretations and claims. So, in our today's topic, in terms of Quran, uh, female reciters is just one manifestation of it. We see it, and I tried in several of my podcasts, you know, and I will continue doing that to just shed the light on many different ways that we do injustice to the we muslims you know inside to, to each other exclusion in mosques is another example you know and there is hind maki from you know who who made side entrance initiative that raises awareness of women's marginalization in mosques around the world and actually inspires women to demand specific tangible changes and i really appreciate her for doing that as well so Medina, and from all these different initiatives, I do want to mention how there is this beautiful sisterhood that's emerging that I really... Uh, like and appreciate as well or that we that could even become stronger in terms of bond uh, when we listen to each other when we learn from each other and when we say when i i try to be inclusive as well inclusive of men even while of men who support us today even when they kept excluding us for all sorts of reasons that we talked about in the past hour um, or so and what I want to say is that I was, I've been happy to witness it online while just even the sisterhood, while even just scrolling through the hashtag of yours and all the creative posts and recitations too. And you've told us about some of the uh, observations that some women from around the world keep sharing with you. So, and And let's not forget that even reading about reciters in Indonesia, Modeling their reciters uh, recitations after a handful of Egyptian reciters, or vice versa, somebody listening to Bosnian recitation and then, you know, thinking about their own. This is beautiful. Now we have technology. Now it's being recorded, disseminated, broadcasted throughout uh, the world, and and I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy because I'm I'm optimistic about this because there is this beautiful sharing and cooperation that's being that's dynamic and that's going on thanks to people like you, thanks to technology, and I do want, considering that we're going towards the end, I do also hope that this podcast contributes more to the visibility of all these reciters and our demands for this to become something that is not and should not be seen as a novelty, even though it is for some. And I think that a lot of people from Pakistan to Afghanistan, I read the comments, I see where they are from, They say, oh, I wish we had women reciters or, oh, I never heard something like that, which you told us as well. So now that we're coming uh, towards the end, uh, Medina, do you have anything to add in terms of both tell us about your current efforts, about your future plans and any message at the end?
2: You said it so beautifully, your your words, it's hard
0: to, <laughs> to say anything better. I know we think the same things, but anything that uh, you might Tell us about your future endeavors. I think I saw recently, did you make an online club or some Zoom uh, meeting club? Did, what was that about, or did I misread something?
2: There was a Quran circle in America, but the time zone didn't sit people here, so then I asked if anyone would be interested, and so many people contacted me. Um, it's quite experimental I don't know what it's going to be but it's just it just brings people together again to connect like even this Ramadan I was searching for women to listen to for to share opportunities for people to access more women reciters and I found like Lamia Alili in Croatia she was reciting every day in the mosque and then another lady in Livno in Bosnia Sheila Ah, and then another lady in Germany so I tried to like make a list and share those and and yeah like I think for the future for me like I just want to keep I think the the most important thing is that we have people in our communities actively doing things and I would just say each person has been given like a skill or a passion and it's just about finding that and then nurturing that and then sharing that with others in your community and it's only just about giving a little bit of your time and offering that to your community and I think that is what will make change if each person just does that? Because even I notice in our community centre, we have such space for women and the community, but sometimes, like I don't see women actually coming and using that. But often, mm-hmm. I see lots of women kind of complaining about and and rightfully complaining about not having access. But when there is access and people have created these spaces that are there for are, we, are there for women, are we now taking that opportunity and using it? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's just I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, and I think that, I mean, you've been having more, I think, public appearances, uh, recently, And I think there's more visibility as there's more visibility, there are more people who are getting interested in this topic. And uh, I tried to, you know, expand um, and offer more information. And I, as I said earlier on, I discovered a lot while preparing for this um, episode as well. And I know, you know, but I just want to tell our listeners that you continue inspiring many women and men around the world, probably even when they don't want to admit it with your persistence. and <laughs> There you go, Medina. Far and near, your voice is heard, and thank you, Medina, because you uh, you're making changes and waves of positive change where you know and when you don't, where you don't know it. I wanted to acknowledge you in this way as well.
2: Just to add, like I think we have to remember, Quran isn't it's not entertainment. It's not like a performance, but it's about creating tranquility and awe. And I think it's it is scary the sayings like about people that use Quran to show off and you know these these things so that's why i think it's important that we always like keep renewing our intentions like over and over and over again and and just remembering that the purpose of reciting the quran is just is to please lot and to gain blessings for it so i think we just have to just re- keep remembering these things because sometimes especially online yeah i think especially like, If people are posting online and something, you know, we just have to be careful with our intentions, and (laughs)
0: that's just what I want to say. I'm sure that a lot of people have the best intentions from their own perspectives and worldviews, and that's why I always say, I respect your right to, to do that, but I also then learn, I try to study, I try to understand why they might be saying that. I try to offer a different point of view, both from within my tradition. I try to give explanation of why it is so unjust. I try to offer examples of lived experience from different countries, um, starting from my own, where not everything is perfect in any sort of way. We have a long way to go, but also it might not be as long as we think, precisely because we're not, these things are happening. These things have been happening. It's just about us giving voice and giving more platform and creating platform for um, those who are maybe braver in those situations and countries where this is uh, more of a novelty to to be to be seen. So Medina, now finally—well, not finally because I don't want this to be over—but <laughs> we could just talk all day. Like, there's so much we could we could even talk for like another I podcast. I <laughs> recommend our listeners to maybe you know. Uh, split it during the weekend you know have first part watch during the morning and then at night um you have audio and video as well and that's the versatility that i try to offer to to the listeners and viewers as well in terms of the medium of how they prefer to uh, listen or watch. So there are, we're coming towards a part which I called Five Sweet Questions where I try to make the guest even more approachable and human than just beautiful uh, you know, uh, scholarly activist or inspiring as they are uh, in, tr- in terms of their work. So you can respond uh, in any way you want. Some people give funny, some people give more serious uh, answers as well. So the first question is, once the current global pandemic is over, God help us! I mean that's even that topic can be controversial depending on one's worldview. but I want to ask you if there is something from this period that you would specifically not want to forget
2: it's a hard question. I'd like to share like a poem that um a close friend of mine wrote um before she died, and it was it all stayed with me, and like especially during this time, like I was thinking about it and her poem described how we're all on a boat through the ocean of this life, journeying through all of the waves that are brought our way. And she prayed that by the grace of God, may we all find our way back home. And I just think it was so beautiful. And right now we're all going through these different waves in our lives. And I think we're all just on that journey and we just have to keep being kind to ourselves. And... And trying to do good. And if there's something that I remember, is I just want to remember that I use my time wisely. And it's quite hard, especially in a pandemic, to be productive sometimes. But I think at the end of the day, just to have good intentions and sincerity. So I think <laughs> that's one
0: thing. Yeah. Oh God, it's so good that you are reminded. um All I think, especially with the social media and with the Twitter, it's so difficult to understand and convey but also it's so much more easier to judge people and I do sometimes when I'm reminded try to just put a random tweet about the importance of intention that can never be you know like people who will want to see good in you will see good in you people who will want to judge and project projections of what they want you to be will continue doing that no matter what so that's why I just there's only so much we can do but uh, in terms of our presence in social media, but I think that that accountability, which matters for each person and, and always for me, yes, it is intention, and it is you know who are you trying to please. So thank you for reminding us uh, about that. Second question is what? Which of your personality traits has been the most useful? Not the um, best. <laughs>
2: I guess because I'm quite a strong person that's quite useful and I'm also very independent so that helps me become quite resilient I think and being quite strong and then also when I travel I I think I'm quite sociable and like I love to talk to people and hear their stories and connect and and I love just learning about other people and, and their experiences and so I think those things I'm really for some way I'm like really good at connecting with people quickly so I don't know
0: yeah. <laughs> like also comes out of a, of a person that energy um, that that one radiates. So I I feel it from you. I get it. I, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> no, but
2: even with you, like as soon as we, I'm so glad that we got to meet each other through this and that we yeah. connected. And now that I can call you Riada Abla as <laughs> my sister. Yes. So yes. I was so Honored to be able to um, have a friendship yeah. with you throughout this. Yeah. I hope that in the future we will stay in touch as well. Of
0: course, we will. I, I mean, I have two younger sisters myself. So, uh, sometimes I like to the idea of having my own abla or my own sister who's not my mom, and uh, and they're different mentors and different people. Of course, we can we can find that sort of uh, necessity in, but. As I said in the beginning, I'm sure, and I can't wait to just, all I want is to hug you, you know? (laughs) Me
2: too. Inshallah, we can meet in Bosnia like one day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is this pandemic doing to us all? Uh, I miss my family so much.
2: I Um, had to miss my friend's wedding as well.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I miss miss being there. I miss everything. But, you know, sometimes you just, you just got to be grateful for. For health and for safety. There is so much going on in the world uh, that's, that's horrific and horrible. And uh, sometimes it's troubling personally to me. Uh, some, uh, and that's a topic of its own. Uh, it's, it's really troubling. And uh, I, I find comfort in talking to my husband often about it and just trying to understand that we can only change so much from where we are, but we should use our talents and our skills to try to contribute towards what we care about from where we are. And exactly, and that's, that's what we can do. So um, that leads us to the next question, which is what skill or craft would you like to get better in or master?
2: I would even just say like a Quran recitation, honestly, because uh-huh. I feel like I haven't mastered it at all. Like I'm honestly just at the beginning uh, of my journey. And right now I don't have a teacher to teach me the new, new things i am trying to learn so i'm trying to teach myself and and i'm just even when i learned about the quran competition in in malaysia the most prestigious competition they have four different categories that they test you on and it's so i haven't even learned half of them so i've got such a long way to go and i'm just yeah i'd love to to master that and so that's something that i'll i'll try to do and just because i love it and i think when you love something you just want to learn how to do it better and always improve yourself and there's always
0: room for improvement so the more I know the more I know how little I know remember exactly yeah. that's so true <laughs> scary that's true, but it's true uh, so are any of your friends completely opposite to you or are most of them similar to you
2: so a lot of my friends come from different walks of life different backgrounds there are different journeys in their life, but a lot of us have the same passion for human rights, and like we have a really strong sense for justice. And I think that's something we have quite in common. So, and we all love. We, I think a lot of us like to travel a lot, so we have that in common. And I think, I think it's good to have friends that are like as we were discussing before. It's good to talk to people from different countries, different ages, because you learn such different things from people's experiences. And as I said, everyone's on their own journey, so we all have something to learn from each other. And it's it's fine to have differences. It's fine to have things in common.
0: Uh, There's so much that that we can... The first thing that I think is the prerequisite is respect. Uh, Exactly. I really... I I always wish that we Muslims especially um, allowed more respect to each other, even uh, despite our differences, uh, that we just allowed each other to even practice our faith in different ways while we stay connected and united over the core in my opinion that should be the quran but then we go to the interpretation etc so let's allow discussions let's allow arguments based on what is within our within our holy book let's talk about context let's talk about history let's talk about present and let's talk about future And in this particular case, let's talk about inclusion, let's talk about awareness of women's voices, let's talk about representation, and let's allow women's access to the public sphere more than in many uh, places and uh, situations right now is the case. So that would be it uh, for for. Oh,
2: I don't want this to end. <laughs> Honestly, I genuinely don't want it to end. Like, I've had such a good time speaking with you. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, it's so I sad. I think we should definitely get together uh, again. You know, we will definitely find more uh, ways of talking about this thing. Uh, and, and I'm very glad that... We connected and I'm so excited to keep following your work and sharing your work online with my own uh, networks and that we just, this is going to stay in digital history. That's why I love about it. And it's going to be something that we will be able to look back uh, next year, five years from now, and that we will be contemplating on how what it meant then and where we are now. And all I want to say and remind is that this is not something that we're trying to steal from anybody. I'm talking about spiritual fulfillment. I'm talking about justice. And I will just um, end it right now by saying to all of our listeners and viewers I hope you enjoyed it as much as Medina and I did. I will uh, probably not cut too many of it because I had a lot of fun and I think we said <laughs> a lot of official things. And I will kindly welcome, you know, your comments, observations. Please feel free to review the podcast, write, um, write a note, you know, write a critique. I will respond to it uh, with my best intention if you come to me with the same uh, best intention from your part without and never ad hominem personal attacks this is never about that in my dictionary this is about dignified resilience and so stay tuned for more conversations with people and guests from all over the world and as I always finish my podcast episode hold tight to those you love talk soon and have a nice day